Hey friends, my name is Chuck. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for codependency, anger, pride. And this week, thinking my way is the right way. And I think it's really important, as Ryan said, that we really focus in on this idea of the attributes of God. I think it's a really important discussion for a couple of different reasons. For instance, over the last 15 years, as I have intentionally pursued my wife, I have learned how to serve her best because I now know the things that are core to her, the things that matter to her, the things that make her the person that she is. And if I'm going to have an intimate relationship with God, I have to intentionally begin to seek him and know him as he is, not as I would like him to be. We see this as we spend our time in region. For instance, in step seven follow, I ask God to change my heart and my mind as I learn what it means to pursue him, to follow him fully. In step 11, intimacy, I'm asking God to deepen my relationship with him as I depend on his power, for it is his power that lets me actually do his will. And when I start do the, doing those things, I am doing those things that are core to him, that matter to him as he changes my heart and changes my mind. So tonight, I get to talk about the idea of holiness. And I have to remind everybody that holiness is a bit otherworldly. It's a little bit scary because we don't really understand it. We have a difficult time with it. We have a, an identification problem because truthfully, we don't have a lot of familiarity with what it actually means to be holy. And yet our God is a holy God. So I'd like to kind of illustrate it this way. So last week we had a four-year-old little boy in our house. His mom and he have been coming to our house, I don't know, since before he was born. And when he comes to our house, he calls me grandpa, which basically means he can have anything in my house he wants to have. And he can pretty well do anything in my house he wants to do. And so he comes upstairs to my study and he starts picking things off the shelf. He picks up this baseball and he says, what's this? And I told him, it's a baseball from Arlington Stadium. It was a, a major league foul ball. In fact, if you look close, you can see the smudge mark that's there. And then he starts telling me with this childlike imagination of what it would be like for him to be a baseball player and how he's gonna hit home runs. But he gets distracted and he finds something else that's in on my bookshelf, he, he picks up this belt buckle. And he said, what's this? And I said, well, it, it's, it's a belt buckle, a state of Texas belt buckle. And you have to understand that cowboys, when they would dress up to come to the rodeo, they'd get a special belt buckle. And this was given to me by a cowboy and he's a friend of mine. And so I keep it on my shelf to be reminded of him. And he starts talking about what it's like to ride a horse like he's ever ridden a horse, a day in his life. But it's like he knows it because of that gift of imagination. And then he gets distracted another time and he comes and he picks this up. And he said, what's this? I said, well, this is a very important um, piece of memorabilia in, in my family's life. This is the last time the Dallas Cowboys were in the Super Bowl, 1996 in Phoenix, Arizona. 
And my wife got to go to that game when they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so we have this. And he starts talking to me about being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboy and how he is going to win the Super Bowl. And in my heart, I'm going, oh, I hope. (laughs) I desperately hope that is true. A child's imagination is something to behold, isn't it? As we think about it and look about it, it's what makes their early years interesting and surprising and delightful. But I would also remind all of us when it comes to our faith, when it comes to this thing that we're asking anyone who comes to faith in Christ to do, to surrender both your life and your will to the care and control of Christ, this God you cannot see or hear, there is spiritual eyes that's required to do that. A spiritual imagination, if you will, as we begin to pursue with intimacy this God that is altogether holy and in some ways very mysterious to us. So what does the holiness of God means? The translation for the word holiness comes from a Hebrew word which means to cut. To be holy means to cut off or to separate from everything else. It literally means to be in a class of your own, distinct from anything that has existed and anything that ever will exist. But there is a second definition to it as well that's really important. To be holy means to be morally pure all the time and in every way possible. Literally, God's holiness is all of the attributes of God working together in perfect unity. See, God's holiness is not an aspect of who he is. God's holiness literally is the essence of who he is, what he thinks, what he says, what he does, where he sends, where he goes, all of those things that are there. And the Bible makes this unequivocal moment that says God is holy. And you see it played out in various places in scripture, but there is one very important place. In Isaiah chapter six, at the beginning of Isaiah's ministry, he has this vision with these things called seraphs that are flying around and they're strange looking creatures. And he finds himself in the temple of God with God's robe filling the temple. And the seraphs are walking around or flying around in Isaiah 6, 3, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I I don't want you to cruise past the repetitive nature of what's being said. Isaiah says, holy, 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 and the seraphs are saying, holy, 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 simply for this, one holy won't do it. When you sit there and look at the holiness of God, words run out. And so repetition is important in that moment. And he even has to sit there and look and see that the whole earth is filled with his glory. It is meant to stretch the boundaries of your imagination because we are so difficult. We have such a difficulty understanding the holiness of God that we have to sit there and use the words that we can use to try to explain it as best as we can. So why is it important? 
Why do I need to understand why God is holy? First and foremost, the doctrine of the holiness of God sits at the center of the grand narrative of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without the holiness of God, there is no moral law to which every human being is ultimately responsible. Without the holiness of God, there would be no divine anger with sin. Without the holiness of God, there would be no need for this perfect son sent as an acceptable sacrifice. And without the holiness of God, there is no vindication that's found in the resurrection. But ultimately, without the holiness of God, there is no final defeat of Satan. There is no hope of a new heaven and a new earth where holiness will reign in and over us forever and ever. And in the midst of my brokenness, I have to be reminded in the midst of the times when I am not holy, when I am not like God, when God is so otherworldly, I have to be reminded over and over again, evil is not in control. Injustice does not rule. Corruption is not king. And Satan will not have the victory because of what God has done. But there is this moment that you see in Isaiah's prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, he comes in touch with where he is before this holy God. He says, woe is me. For I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people, a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King. He is the Lord of hosts. God doesn't, or Isaiah doesn't have a wow response to God's holiness. Oh, he's blown away. But he's blown away about his own sinfulness in view of God's abject holiness. He, he understands how morally separated he is from the Lord. And only in the face of the holiness of God that you, I, Isaiah, we are broken by the disaster of sin in our lives. We see it. We understand it. We also have to be truthful. Sin never comes disguised as sin, and sin doesn't appear as sinful to us. Sometimes it appears as magnetic and attractive, but it's only in the face of the holiness of God do we fully realize that sin is more than a list of bad behaviors. It's not just breaking abstract rules. Rather, sin is a disastrous event in our heart that destroys everything we were ever meant to be. It's in the holiness of God that I come face to face with what sin has done and how it's destroyed in my heart. And it's in that moment that I sit there and say, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. And I hold my hands up and I surrender to the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God who chose not to leave me in that condition. See, grace reminds me that I'm accepted and not rejected of him. Because of grace, I am comforted by his holy rule because I become aware of the gravity of how sin infects all of us and I don't run from him. 
I run to him. A God who has pursued me every single day of my life. Every day he has been running after me. And instead of running from him, I get to run to my daddy's arms. Knowing that in that moment I am safe. Because God appointed his perfect son to be the perfect sacrifice for imperfect people. When I trust Christ for my salvation, I experience both the conviction of sin and this desire to live a holy life. Because of his grace, we have been invited to live in his holy presence forever. God's holiness arrests our self-sufficiency. We come to the end of ourselves in the presence of a holy God. And because of the holiness of God, I'm reminded of a truth I preach daily to myself. There is a God, and I'm not him. And when I come to that realization, and my heart posture is what it needs to be before a holy God, it's not a warning I run from an eternal terror. It is a welcome moment to run to him where weak and frail sinners receive mercy and find grace in their time of need. And so tonight, I want to welcome one who has done just that. She's received mercy and found grace in her time of need. Welcome, Aubrey.